0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the February 4th, 2022 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Desuti. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get started. It's been quite a week. On Monday, three of the seven Douglas County School Board members held a public meeting to discuss allegations that the new four-member majority elected last fall had private meetings to pressure the current superintendent to resign. Meanwhile, over 1,500 teachers called in sick on Thursday, causing classes to be canceled in response to the new board majority changing the county's equity policy, among other actions. Patty Cahoon for Westward, as always, we start with you. The week started with a potential violation of Colorado's open meetings laws. It ended with a rallying closure of an extra snow day, essentially. Uh, what do we think is going to be next in the craziness that we've seen in Douglas County?
1: Well, what is going to be next is unfortunately for those of us taping at noon today and meeting at five o'clock. The school board has called an emergency special meeting at five o'clock. Although I know Fox 31 reported that that was definitely a violation of open meetings. Uh, Now the school board is saying no, it wasn't. So we don't actually know if there will be a board meeting before then. What we do know is that this board is incredibly divided. You know, you had a new progressive group elected in 2019. You had a new conservative group elected in 2021 that has the majority that allegedly met to say that they wanted the superintendent to go. And these the three more liberal members on Monday accused them of having had the secret meeting in violation but there are just fights going on all you can see is parents are upset over the mask mandate one way or the other they're upset that their kids weren't in school again and that the teachers walked out the teachers are upset about the school board coming in hitting the equity policy that had just been adopted and a lot of other issues so douglas county has everything going on there it is a real circus we also have now have the clerk thrown in with, Jenna, uh, with Jenna, Jenna Griswold looking into possible violations there. You've got the health department. They're out of the health department, too. So Douglas County is full of action, but I would like to say kudos to Douglas County Jail. Just got a good recommendation on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> David Kopel from the Infants Institute and DU Law School. It's great to have you here in the studio. Uh, David, a a four-member majority on a board uh, can can do what they want, but have we seen enough transparency? And is the superintendent a... Uh, LOGICAL TARGET SINCE HE'S BEEN IN PLACE FOR OVER 25 YEARS.
2: WELL, l- l- LET'S LOOK AT THE FACTS THAT WE CAN SAY FOR SURE RIGHT NOW. 1,500 TEACHERS ILLEGALLY WALKED OUT DEPRIVING CHILDREN OF EDUCATION, AS WAS EXPLAINED IN A, a ZOOM MEETING. Uh, BEFORE THAT, WHAT THE uh, uh, VICE PRESIDENT OF THE, uh, the LOCAL UNION SAID. Uh, the kids will get another snow day. You know, everybody's going, you know, everyone's going to be equally behind. Uh, and she said that in response to a te- another teacher who said, you know, my kids are already so far behind from all this remote learning and stuff. Um, and as the uh, union official continued, we're trying to get gain power back, aren't we? And this is a common conflict in uh, schools these days between people who want the schools to be run for the benefit of the students versus those who want them to be run for the benefit of the union. The uh, pro-student group currently has a four to three majority on the board over the more uh, regressive uh, folks. The, uh, The complaints about the equity policy. Uh, I would say people should look at the resolution that was actually adopted uh, by the school board, um, which says, first of all, uh, says, among other things, uh, that the horrors of race-based slavery and segregation um, have been and will continue to be part of every child's education in the Douglas County School District. And at the same time, the district's mission requires freedom from any policy or practice that wrongfully imposes stereotypical beliefs, actions, and experiences of an identity group upon an individual student. So you can be focused on the student or you can be focused on creating stereotypes and prejudices. And that's what uh, some of the teachers walked out as uh, uh, feeling they won't be able to impose prejudice and stereotype on students.
0: Eric Sonner, we'll go to you next. Uh, A longtime political analyst here on PBS 12 and, of course, a columnist with Gazette, newspapers and Colorado Politics. Uh, Eric, I think some of the direct moves from the new uh, four-member majority weren't terribly surprising. But... How it went about it and how it blew up this week, Uh, certainly I don't think anyone had that on their uh, predictions for 2022. What did you make make of the news we heard this week?
3: Well, Dominic, I think blew up is exactly the right word. I got my up-close and personal taste of it yesterday. I posted on social media early in the day just a, a brief comment and not really taking sides in the essence of the debate. But noting that the sick-out day of 1,500 teachers really violates any notion that, quote-unquote, this is about the kids or this is for the kids. And that was just like throwing a bit of fuel onto a very, very hot uh, burning fire. Uh, And it just uh, blew up from there. Passions are high on both sides. There doesn't seem to be much middle ground. And it is symptomatic to my thinking of what's going on in so many school boards around the state, around the country, where schools have now become the epicenter of a lot of this political polarization, the epicenter of a lot of these political debates we're having, whether it's about race and how to teach uh, about diversity and equity and uh, how much we still want to get into the categorization of uh, the racial classification of people, whether it's about masks in response to COVID and all the rest. Just last note, uh, whatever you make of the substance of this issue, sunshine laws are sunshine laws. Transparency is transparency. And the new majority, even if they want to exert their clout, and even if they want to can this superintendent and bring in somebody more to their liking, they need to comply with that transparency and those laws.
0: Also joining us via Skype, Lucille Wenagema, founder and lead strategist at Cleo's Creative. Lucille, it's wonderful to have you back. Uh, Lucille, as Eric noted, uh, this is not the only school board uh, in the metro area, really in Colorado for that matter, to really have highly uh, politicized campaigns, especially in the elections last year. Do you think some of the things that we're seeing here, whether the other side of the spectrum or not, are going to start to be seen in other districts, or is Douglas County going to be the anomaly in Colorado this year?
4: they are absolutely not going to be an anomaly. If there's anything we can see from, like you said, what's going on across Colorado, but even across the country, if we, as we've seen in states like Virginia, the, the current climate, the, the issues that we are all talking about in our daily lives are really uh, focused in schools right now. It's a it's a flashpoint, if you will. And so when we're thinking about all, all the different sort of interested parties here, everyone is going to say that they're advocating for the kids right that's that's always the nice slogan whether that's sort of the name of your slate or a uh, part of your job title so that's always going to be what people are, are framing this around but you know, uh, if we're thinking about things like uh, stereotypical beliefs and whether that's uh, forming those is is part of the curriculum, it, it's about facts, right? It's about facts of um, what's happening with people's health and where we're at in terms of cases in, in this ongoing pandemic. It's about facts uh, related to what our what our actually, actual history is. It's, it's not about making people feel bad. It's not about restricting people. It's about the truth and making uh, collaborative decisions about how that affects our kids. And I think that's what, what we go back to when we're talking about transparency as well. Uh, Eric brought brought that piece back in. How are we making collaborative decisions that are actually best for the children in these districts if we're not looking at the facts and and going from there rather than whether or not people feel guilty about a set of facts that's, per, that's put forward against them or whether or not it's uncomfortable to necessarily um, you know, wear a mask depending on where you are. Um, You know, things are changing. Nothing is is the same every day. So as cases are different, as uh, we continue to uh, get further into the school year, we should have that transparency so that we can make real decisions about what needs to happen and not just be in our feelings about them.
0: Counties across the metro area joined the city and county of Denver on Friday in letting mask mandates expire due to dropping positivity rates in Colorado. Some proof of vaccination rules for venues have also been allowed to expire, although some private companies are keeping the rules in place. Meanwhile, the Children's Museum of Denver reopened today after closing for a week due to adult patrons reacting poorly to its mask mandate. David, you have long been our mask uh, effectiveness expert from the very beginning, almost pre-pandemic. So uh, seeing the different changes in news this week, what's your reaction?
2: Uh, Usually, when when constitutional rights aren't involved, the the best approach is for the smallest groups uh, to make their decisions. So, for example, in Denver, there's no mask rules for businesses anymore, but this station still has people wearing masks. That's its choice. And I I think, uh, statewide, you see some counties like Denver and Jefferson County and others are moving to get rid of them. Uh, Boulder, uh, which is a... uh, uh, has not, at this point, they said they won't even talk about it until February, a meeting on February 18th. And, you know, Boulder, the, the city, is a place that is uh, so health conscious that it won't even allow an actor to smoke a cigarette on, on stage. But uh, again, you, you reduce uh, polarization when you uh, allow for mer- more choice. I think the the best approach is being taken um, for schools uh, by, for example, by school district 51 in Grand Junction, which says, uh, has adopted a free to choose policy. Um, Some kids want to wear masks and their families do and others don't. Uh, We know for sure that masking is very harmful to language development and the two spheres of the brain learning how to communicate with each other uh, for small children. So um, I, I think the first thing we should get rid of is mask mandates for small children in schools.
0: Eric, it seems a lot of communities are anxious to let uh, mask mandates go. It wasn't as if there was a big push, uh, except, as David noted, a, a couple of different communities. But by and large, the Denver metro area um, embraced the idea of dropping it quickly. Uh, do you feel that the positivity rates have come down uh, enough? Has it been fast enough? Is it, it were people jumping the gun?
3: Well, I'm not a doctor. I used to be a spin doctor, but that's a little different than being uh, a doctor. So I'm not really going to pine, Dominic, a lot on positivity rates. Uh, Let me just start off by first saying shame on some of the patrons at the Children's Museum a couple weeks ago who acted with just bad manners, for lack of a better word, and uh, berated people who were working there and just enforcing the rules of the museum. I mean, we can all do better than that. Uh, in terms of releasing or relaxing the, the mass rules, it's my observation that compliance has you know been way down, enforcement has been way down. So over the last couple of weeks in a lot of locales these rules have become uh, decreasingly meaningful anyway, I think both sides, I hate to regard this as sides, but both those who have taken these, rules and mandates very seriously, and those who have sloughed it off and been anti-maskers are gonna have to adapt to a new reality here. I think I have a column coming on the topic, but uh, for those who've been sloughing it off, yeah, you know, just because this particular variant and this particular wave is gone does not mean the virus is done with us, and there will be other variants and other waves in the future. For those who have been very extreme on the caution and even in some cases on the fear, Uh, They need to also be able to relax because that is not a permanent condition in which one can live. So this is a new time, but it is just a new episode. It is not the end of the story.
0: Lucille, it seemed that Denver was a trendsetter here when they announced that they were going to let uh, that it was going to let the mask mandates expire. You saw other metro counties uh, follow suit. Uh, Do you think that's true that Denver is setting the trends?
4: absolutely and i think the thing that we really need to come back to here is that we are an interconnected community people aren't just staying in their same neighborhoods you know a lot of folks across the metro area are traveling half an hour an hour or more to get to their jobs to pick their kids up from from schools if they're out of district all of these pieces and so we are interconnected communities and that is really what we're looking at when we're thinking about how to translate uh, what's coming from doctors and researchers into what we actually implement through epidemiology and through policy, right? And so, as Eric pointed out, none of this is static. We are not in the same place today as we were six months ago, as we were almost two years ago now. So, I think we all have to be a little bit more flexible and listen to the folks who are looking at this data every single day. And I I think it's natural that some of the other counties will be looking to each other to see, you know where are we at, what are you doing? What does this mean for how our communities interact with each other? And uh, speaking to you know various impacts, we're starting to look at vaccination. Vaccination is, is obviously one part of this puzzle that we're thinking of constantly um, as we're seeing how things need to change around policy. And uh, now consideration for young children getting vaccines—that's part of it. Um, obviously, you know, we want to look at the scientific impacts, whether that's uh, speech, as um, David mentioned earlier. But we also want to look at sickness and death too, right? Those are those are pieces of this puzzle that we can't forget about across the board and the those are, those are huge consequences and the, the reason why we're, we're being thoughtful about this to begin with
0: patty uh, we're prone to make, making making uh, predictions sure to go wrong here at this table so have we seen the last of mask mandates in colorado well unfortunately
1: there are still many letters in the greek alphabet let's hope we have seen the last of it you saw how this fall we were all so excited thinking things would be fine you could go out to restaurants you didn't have to worry about the whole mask mandate And now restaurants are really suffering. And you think about businesses that have had a tough time. It's pretty easy to know, you're going in a grocery store, you're not gonna be eating and drinking unless you're doing so illegally, keep your mask on. And that's been, I've seen people have been usually civil, usually observant over the last two months since this has been extended. Restaurants, it's still tougher because it is impossible to eat or drink with your mask on. And I think some of those will continue the rules, the vaccination rules. Maybe some businesses will keep their rules about masks if they're comfortable. But I think we're coming through. People are ready for some changes. What I would like to see is a change that keeps conversations civil, people well behaved. If they want to have an argument over masks, Talk about Aaron Rodgers. Let's focus on on him (laughs) and not on the well-behaved people of Metro Denver.
0: Here, here. After a weekend that included more shootings and violent crime in Denver, Mayor Michael Hancock announced a new crime prevention and reduction action plan on Thursday. Within the plan, Union Station, along with four other hotspots, have been targeted for increased policing. Other focus areas include youth violence, releasing of previous offenders, illegal guns, and availability of cheap drugs like meth and fentanyl. Eric, we start with you on this one. It really seems like crime has become the issue of 2022. Uh, What's your take on the headlines we saw this week?
3: Well, I think you're exactly right, Dominic. Uh, Crime is becoming a dominant issue. Politicians on both sides of the divide are trying to get on the right side of it or trying to be proactive about it. Who knows how much po- difference politicians can actually make. Uh, I'm up here 75 miles away from Denver in, in the mountains at the moment, but uh, you know, the headlines from Denver last weekend did not escape me. I think there were six separate shootings around the metro area resulting in four deaths. Uh, things have definitely changed. Violent crime, not just in Denver, but in urban areas across the country is spiking. There are the reasons for it are complex. You cannot just name one reason, but the dialogue has certainly changed from a year ago. Times have changed. No one is now talking about very publicly about defunding the police uh, and and other such slogans. Even those communities that were having that discussion a year ago are now taking a different attitude. Policy does matter, whether it's bail policy, uh, whether it is um, sentencing reforms, uh, particularly around opioids and and their use policy does matter and it has contributed to this spike
0: lucille mayor hancock said that we cannot police our way out of this problem but it kind of looks like increased policing is the solution at least for these hot spots that the action plan presents uh what do you think of the new uh action plan
4: you know what I think is that we should also be looking at some of some of the data, right? Uh, when we're talking about spikes, we're talking about coming from a period where where a lot of us, those of us who could, those of us who uh, were mandated to based on policy, were at home. We saw record lows when it comes to crime. Now that we're out, now that we're about, and now that folks are feeling the impacts of the pandemic, we have a, a new set of challenges and a new environment that people are working in, and a new environment that crime is is operating in. So I don't think that we necessarily can even compare the moment that we're in to the moment that we uh, might have been in you know, two years ago. So I think that's definitely something that we need to keep in mind here. And then, as we're thinking about the plan, I do really enjoy that it's multi, or appreciate that it's multifaceted. We can't uh, have a one-size-fits-all, assuming that every single person that interacts um, with a criminal justice system is going to um, have the same capacity, have the same resources, have the same impact uh, negatively on the community. So I like that it. I appreciate that it is multifaceted. Um, you know, looking to Denver and seeing uh, programs like the harm reduction program that uh, was really. Spe- headed here and has had lots of really great uh, feedback and impact, I think that is really where we need to focus, not so much on the fear, but on the uh, sort of new things that we can do so that we're treating people ethically, we're making people feel safe, but also that we're not pushing folks out um, in this sort of, you know, re- revival of a, of a war on crime here. Uh, we still have to behave as a society in a humane way. And the way that we do that is not by a one-size-fits-all uh, sort of fear-based crime approach.
0: Uh, Patty, is this a hotspot issue or is this a city-wide issue?
4: It
1: is both. You know, the homicides were highest in the last year, in 40 years, but we have to remember also that Denver's population is larger than it was. And not only is Denver's population much larger than it was in 1981, but it's also spread out. You have uh, different groups have spread into different neighborhoods. Gang activity is not just in one neighborhood anymore. So some of the violence has spread out. We still, if you look at the hotspots that were announced last year, because the city focused on five hotspots last year, they were down, four out of the five crimes were down drastically. The issue that where they were not was Broadway um, Broadway Colfax down into Lodo and that crimes went up there and you're seeing that at Union Station. What we also have to remember is the biggest challenge at Union Station is the bus terminal coming in from the back. It's not the front of Union Station, although there's there have been issues there too. But that is just a real challenge, how to deal with the people who don't have a place to go, who are in the bathroom shooting up. RTD is working on it, Denver police are working on it. That is where you really want to put more police presence to make things as smooth as possible in a tough time. But we've seen violent waves before. I think Denver's being as proactive as it can be. And you still have to remember, the odds of being shot in Denver are far lower than having your uh, package stolen off the porch.
0: That's a good point there. Uh, David, what do you think about the plan? Do
2: other laws need to be changed? Well, this is not just a, a Denver problem. For example, some some recent data show that uh, Pueblo has one of the highest burglary rates in the country. There is a national and Colorado surge in crime. In, including violent crime. One uh, uh, Denver sp- store uh, with a downtown outlet and, and a one on Federal Boulevard is imposing a 1 percent crime spike fee uh, to account for all their, their losses. And you can say, oh, you shouldn't be afraid of crime. Well, as the owner says, when when somebody walks into a store and, and grabs a sports jersey and then brandishes a machete and walks out, <laughs> the employees are afraid. And not all stores are calling it a 1 percent fee is a line item, but everybody's costs are going up uh, because they have to pay for the criminals. The Denver Gazette did an outstanding and deep investigative article on this, and 46 percent of the homicides in Denver last year were perpetrated by people who were already under some kind of, supposed to be under some kind of supervision, like parole or probation or community corrections. And as the uh, report details, Denver's uh, probation system is a complete mess, it's understaffed, uh, it's undertrained. The, A lot of people aren't performing adequately. So maybe if if you don't want to, say, hire more police officers, the mayor ought to put some more budget into improving the uh, probation department. Well, we've been chatting today, so it's time to get to our very
0: favorite part of the show, Disgrace the Week. As always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off.
1: Well, Well, we'll return to another police department, this one in Aurora, where the head of the police union there... Who was also an officer, had sent a letter back in November right after Phil Weiser had come through with the agreement with Aurora on how they were going to handle their policing and sent it to all the members. About 250 people got this letter talking about the community and basically labeling most of the Aurora community as uh, drug addicts, dope smokers, illegal aliens, you name it. He has now been fired from the police force. Good conclusion to a disgraceful episode.
2: David, some people say the, the new Olympics in uh uh, Beijing are as bad as the 1936 Olympics in Nazi Germany, but that, that's really unfair, because when the 1936 Olympics took place, Hitler was persecuting Jews and had a totalitarian regime, but his genocide didn't start until five years later in 1941. In contrast, the regime in China is actively perpetrating genocide, and the International Olympic Committee is going along with it just fine. Eric, we go to you for your Disgrace of the Week.
3: Largely agree with what David just said, but here in Colorado, uh, Republican U.S. Senate candidate Gino Campana has sort of jumped the shark here, had an interesting announcement yesterday that he had brought Kellyanne Conway aboard his campaign as an advisor. So I'm going to be curious what that campaign's now approach is going to be to, quote unquote, alternate facts.
0: Lucille, we go to you for your disgrace of the week.
4: Uh, my disgrace of the week is uh, our our lack of communi- communal support for um, both teachers and students. Uh, we've had, uh, I believe, even Dominic mentioned that so many parents uh, across the state are having to uh, make plans for uh, child care because we are not able to cover our needs both in the classroom and outside of the classroom. And But also teachers are having to use their own um, unpaid sick leave uh, due to various choices that folks are making, both at the personal, at the district, and uh, sometimes even at the state level around how we're getting through the pandemic. It's not over, we need to continue to lean in on this stuff. And if we don't, people really will suffer and sometimes that actually will be the kids.
0: Time to see something nice about somebody rather quickly. Patty.
1: Pueblo's Leo uh, Garcia, who is leaving the State House after a great job as Senate President, going to the Pentagon to also continue service in another way.
2: David, Colorado State University for going above and beyond in its student services, as a new poster there says, if you or someone you know are affected by a free speech event on campus, here are some resources. And there are 17 different resources they can call for people who want to complain that they've been affected for free speech. And there's also a special phone number for professors who believe they've been affected by free speech. Eric, we go to you
0: for your Say Something Nice.
3: I know you, Dominic, are getting ready to pay tribute to a, a, a prominent Coloradan who uh, passed away this week. Let me mention one different name, Ed Benton, a long civic leader in Denver, prominent attorney, came up from nothing, came up from bootstraps, humanitarian, just a wonderful individual, former Denver school board member, passed away in his 90s earlier this week.
0: And Lucille, we go to you for your Say Something Nice.
4: Uh, my something nice is going to be uh, really personal today. I'm very excited to be on this panel with these with these lovely folks, and I'm excited for local television writ large to really be coming back um, a- and finding new ways to to dig in here as we're all adapting to where we're at in this uh, in this time.
0: Well, Lucille, I will second that. Here's the local television. Thanks for joining us in the panel and everyone that's been able to join us here. As uh, uh, my friend Eric mentioned, uh, you may have heard last weekend about uh, Les Shapiro uh, passing away. He was a big friend of PBS 12. In fact, he was the producer and host of our very, our one and only sports talk show, Sports Zone. We did in the early aughts uh, in 2004. Did it for a couple of years, but he was a friend of the station in many ways. He was a volunteer on many of our sports auctions. He was great to work with. I got the chance to work with him as a, as a co-producer of the program with all the different crew for that show. And uh, just a consummate pro. You saw all the different accolades that came in over the weekend for a guy who made an impact, whether it was TV or radio or anything else. Uh, it was really amazing. Uh, he will certainly be missed. And that is all the time we have for this episode of Colorado Inside Out. For everybody here at PBS 12, I'm Dominic Dizuti. Thank you all so much for watching. Good night we <laughs>